So we don't often do research for our shows before we start them. But when we do... We spend 20 minutes on IMDb. Looking at all the damn trivia. <laughs> so Aaron's like, we got to make it really special. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been gone. Let's make it awesome. So he decides to use the time looking up facts and trivia on the movie that we're discussing today. I decided to take a slightly different approach. I went to Google and I typed in Birds of Prey and then the news section. And I found just the most wonderful article about a bald eagle that I would like to share with you. Okay. Uh, so this is a, and you know, it, it, it's still a bird of prey. So I like the connections here. But this bald eagle uh, attacked a drone that was out flying over the Upper Peninsula area of Lake Michigan. Uh, so it attacks the drone. We still don't know why. Uh, the drone didn't know why because all it saw was the camera operator. All it saw was just the drone veering down and spiraling before landing in the water and getting the cut, feed cut. But there were bird watchers in the area who were also watching and said, oh, it, it, it was a bald eagle that did that. We can confirm that. Here's the funny part. The drone was being operated by a uh, government uh, department Michigan's Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy, or more commonly known by its acronym, EAGLE. Oh, my God. <laughs> a bald eagle Took attacked an, an eagle, eagle drone. drone. Yep. Yep. Wow. On that note, she's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. I can't believe we come back on that. That's high note, right? It's like, why even bother to the rest of the episode? But here we are. We've still got some time, so let's fill it. Hi is not the word I would use, but sure. <laughs> so we do apologize that it's been a few weeks. It's uh, been a couple of sick weeks. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I ran into some medical issues. And, and we're not the kind of professionals that have episodes in the bank ready to go so we should we, we all really we should. were close we like we were like we had an episode that we were going to do we were and ready let's go let's do it and every day <laughs> we would find like some reason not to do oh, it and can't do it oops oh oh no we can still do it later on but it's just like um we were just like unfortunately um i've had like i basically have had two er visits in the last like three or four weeks mm -hmm. and it's not been fun it's not been fun. We uh, do hope, though, that you have enjoyed. We, Even though we haven't been uh, publishing our Marriage to the Idea podcast, which you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud, Facebook, Marriage to the Idea, email us, reviews at gmail.com. We just have been sneak doing, in that plug party, aren't you? Just like that. <laughs> we have been doing our Keep Beach City Quarantined. But even that's kind of fallen by the wayside a well, little bit because finished. of everything, including well, we, school. Yeah, well, school started up. But before that, we managed to finish the entire first five seasons and the movie. So if you're Six looking, seasons in a movie. If you're looking for more content, we recommend checking out that, too. It's on the same page along with everything else, and you can follow along. But we are finally back. And while we were gone, we started binging a lot of stuff. Yeah, we um, we binged some shows that we've seen before, like Avatar, The Last Airbender. Aaron's and been back into Robot Chicken and has started doing Demon Slayer. Oh, yeah. Um, so for my anime fan, my fellow anime fans out there, I finally started this sh that show that everyone else has been talking about for years now, it feels like. Um, I am finally, uh, but unfortunately, I can only watch it, duh, uh, yeah, no, subbed. 
Um, I am a pleb. I prefer watching things dubbed because then I can work and watch at the same time. I know, I know it's better to watch it dubbed and there, or sorry, subbed, um, which is for those who don't know, uh, dubbed over means where you get the English voice acting or subbed means subtitles where you get the original Japanese, uh, voice acting. And, um, Aaron, this is a safe space. You can just tell us what you like more and damn what everyone else thinks. I would prefer to have it dubbed. Um, that's just my thing. But I did watch um, uh, My Hero Academia, which is a very popular anime right now, um, s- dubbed for the long time. But then I ran out of episodes that were dubbed, and I could only watch it. So I was like, well, fine. And I broke down. And I just watched it uh, subbed. And I was like, oh, damn. This is still re- this is really, really good subbed. I should probably just kind of watch it. Because I got to a really intense fight, and it, like, the the voice actor for the main character was really really good. On my side, we've been watching Catherine the Great, uh, which is fabulous. So good. So good. So heartbreaking. So just you forget just how nasty history was. Like history, you so nasty. Yeah, you look at the pictures and you, black and white, elegant dress, and you think, ah, oh, I bet they were so civilized back then. No, I think. I think we're probably the peak of civilization right now. I think as we go on, we're only going to look. Uh, more, we're only going to look more and more uh, unfondly. John Cena. Are you sure about that? Uh, you know, it's like capitalism, baby. It's it's the best we got right now. It's like democracy. It's the best we got right now. So until we get better, here's what we got. But yeah, it was violent and powerful and well acted. Oh God! And yeah, and funny. I mean, there's funny. a lot yeah. of humor. Not not the kind of humor you would expect. It's um, kind of irreverent at, at points. And it managed to get me over the issues I had with the first episode because it dealt with a lot of stuff that I am not a fan of. And <laughs> it did a really good job about weaving a good enough story where I'm like, okay, I'll, yes, I'll I'll follow along, even though it makes me uncomfortable. I think that. That part of history was uncomfortable, so it's worth taking a look at through this very particular lens. And uh, I think, you know, Aaron might agree that as a dude watching it, he definitely got the vibe that, oh, all men are bastards. Ah. Well, all men are bastards, but um, <laughs> to just varying degrees. Uh, and there there was a point watching Birds of Prey where I was just like, oh, my God, come on, dude. Um, but yeah, Catherine the Great was uh, was really good. We had a we like we kind of like had to pace ourselves a little bit. But Couldn't there's some other more shows. Than, yeah, there there are some shows that only one a day works yeah. well for me. Like I never could get over Jessica Jones. I only did one, and I never could go back again. We have started watching The Umbrella Academy, but are only halfway through season two. If that if that far, and I mean, I think any... we're like season. We're up to like episode four or five. Four. We won't reveal any spoilers here because we're not talking about that today. Um, but you can check out our thoughts on the first season of Umbrella Academy. We have that up earlier. That was did we? Did we mm-hmm. actually did we record one? Okay. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. that was um. Th- it's We're it's getting a really near to hundred episodes. You're forgetting what we've discussed so far. <sighs> God, yeah, and that's that's something else too. We are looking forward to our um our big one zero zero triple digit uh episode discussion. So um, which we keep going back and forth on ideas. I on. know we've had so many thoughts, but. Today we actually agreed pretty good. We uh, watched the first season of the Harley Quinn animated, animated TV series show. that's on DC. I'm HBO sorry if you can right hear now. me snapping as I'm trying to get our cats to stop messing with stuff as we record. Hey, there we go. <laughs> he listens to you. Which... I'm sorry. It's almost like I'm nice. Uh, we also watched 
Finally, after much deliberation on how exactly to stream, rent, or find it, Birds of Prey, if you're trying to find it to watch, I'm very sorry to report that even though HBO does own it, you can only do it through the HBO through your Hulu. If your Hulu doesn't have those add-ons, it doesn't matter if you have HBO. It's a weird time we live in. When we say HBO, we mean HBO Max. Max, thank you. Yeah, because HBO Go is the live you can watch an episode like the next day kind of yeah, thing like cbs all access versus yeah um this cbs plus anyway there's yeah. a million streaming channels it's it's going to be like cable all over again but we're going to hold off as long as possible apple original please stop toying with me i love all of that content that they're coming up with yeah there's there's at least one series on the apple apple plus or whatever that i'm like mm. but i think the next one that we're actually looking at is what peacock yeah i know I know, we just can't avoid it. But we also finally went to just a red box and bought the freaking thing for $4 on Blu-ray. So now we just own that, and that's fine because it turned out pretty good. So today's going to be a Harley Quinn day. We're going to look at just the character of Harley Quinn in both animated TV form and live-action video form because I've been wanting to watch Birds of Prey since it came out, but it was right at that perfect time where... They it things came just out, started sliding. It came out in 2019, so I think, but it came out at a time where we were we were busy with so many other things. Um, actually, as I'm talking, I'm gonna go ahead and look this up because I'm pretty sure it came out before. I thought it was January 2020. No, you can see our research. No, is actually, super sorry, extensive. it did come out 2020. You are Thank correct. Thank you. Um, but I am going to get the official date. Mm-hmm. Um. But we were wanting to watch Birds of Prey, realized we'd have to rent it. That's why we didn't watch it. February 7th, 2020. February, if you know anything about us, because we talk about ourselves a lot, February was the month of six vacations, and we (laughs) didn't have a single moment, which in the end turned out to be pretty good, because then the apocalypse started, but at the time seemed rather silly. But we now... While wanting to watch Birds of Prey and couldn't finding it, we just went ahead and watched the first season well, of Harley Quinn. We yeah, we like we literally were like, well, let's watch Birds of Prey, and uh, we hopped on HBO Max, and we were surprised to see uh, the Harley Quinn animated series because that was one of the series that I knew I wanted to watch, and I just so happened I was like, hey, do you want to watch an episode with me? We watched the first episode. Good lord! And it was it's intense, but it's awesome. So we ate. We were eating dinner during that first oh, episode. God, that yeah. was a bad. Bad move. Bad, bad don't, move. Don't eat anything during the first episode. Don't, you know, just if you want a snack, that's fine. But definitely don't be like cutting into anything, spaghetti, red sauce, anything like that. It's <laughs> it's a little gory. Bu- yeah. Bubbly cheese on bread. Like just stay away from those sorts of things. And um, we're not going to go into spoilers for the series because there's so many episodes to talk about. And we are only through season one. But yeah. I want to talk about the characters because they bring in a beautiful cast of characters for the Harley Quinn animated show and a beautiful cast of characters for Birds of Prey, some of whom I'm familiar with, some of whom I'm not. So let's start with the TV show. Well, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk, I wanted to say the story real quick about the how we were trying to watch it on uh, Amazon Prime, and then like literally, like so we tried to find it. We found it on Amazon Prime to rent for like three bucks. And because we're children on our parents' accounts, we had to wait for the pin number. We got the pin number the next day, went to rent it. And it was gone. Yeah, it was like a day or two later. It was ridiculous. It was we had it and we were ready to watch it. And then it we disappeared. had our, we had our friend friend of the podcast, Jonathan, and it was gone. It, you could only buy it. And it was like twenty dollars. And we're like, what? It's so really uh, so we like now we were like, okay, we just have Harley Quinn on Blu-ray. <laughs> 
All right, so characters. Let's break <laughs> them down. Okay, so let's talk about the characters. All right, so which Harley Quinn first reaction, TV series or movie, which one do you like in more? Which one is speaking to you more here? That's difficult because they are definitely two. Uh, they're very similar, but they're still almost different or not polar opposites. Like I felt like I I feel like the Margot Robbie uh, version is what the animated version because we see in the show a little bit that the animated one is like truly crazy and still has like a little bit of sanity, but she just like tucks it away. I think Margot Robbie's version is both combined. I think she's insane and sane at the same time. She like, she just flips that switch whenever she wants. She's like, I'm saying what I want to be. I'm insane when I don't want to be sorry or when I want to be, <laughs> I get you. Um, I, I don't, and I don't want to say truer to the source material because yeah, I don't think we're interested in that. I mean, that seems like a really fanboy sort of way to talk about this. Exactly, and 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 I I can easily get that way about uh, some of the other characters, especially in the movie or in the TV show. But I I did genuinely enjoy all the different iterations of some of these characters, the different versions of these characters. Um, they may not be my favorite versions, but they I enjoyed this version, this particular version. Um, I have to probably go Margot Robbie. Um, she brought a certain depth to the role uh, that while the animated show definitely was deep uh, in a lot of different aspects, I think they allowed the Margot Robbie version to, they weren't always playing up for laughs or they, while they were, it, I don't know. They're both silly in their own right. Well, uh, I just, I don't know. I just can identify that character a little bit more. Uh, I really liked uh, the animated Kelly Cuoco. Uh, her voice acting was superb. I liked the lilt that she put in it, and I'm really glad to see her in a role like this as opposed to Big Bang Theory. It's God, yeah. Again, every time it's it feels silly. It feels like this whole thing, whole episode's gonna be like a feminist corner. But it's nice to see a, a a woman not just get treated like a dumb blonde. And in fact, that seems to be like the arc that they're going with both Harley Quinns is to she she was always smart but it seems like that just seemed to be not part of her character for the longest time because joker was so in control it was really all about him it's and it's actually kind of funny um because at one point harley is arguing with her mother um and she uh she's like i just wanted you to settle down and marry a nice doctor because they're a little stereotypically jewish and she's like mom I am a doctor. Exactly. And I and I was like, that is a hilarious and true point. Like, like they're like, well, I just want you to settle down and marry someone else. Like, or you know, I could step up and do the exact same thing for myself. So I think for me, the reason I liked Kaylee Cuoco's uh, Harley Quinn is because the movie one felt a little bit like they couldn't make her too much of an antihero or a villain because she still has to be a positive role model for children for some reason because she's a girl i don't know i i got that vibe and it didn't detract from the movie for me but i definitely felt the wheels of the machine behind the scenes being like well she can't be a total asshole <laughs> other male villains need to be total assholes but we can't let the female ones that be she layered could and be complex. an asshole agreed though. so the thing i like about kelly cuoco's is that from the beginning she wants to be a villain and she doesn't really have any qualms about how she becomes a villain but the arc of her story is doing things for her 
not for what other people think of her. It's right. in a relationship with the Joker and with the League of Doom. So I liked that story arc personally because it just felt a little bit more interesting with her character and how the show starts as opposed to more of a she's cool and she's she's crazy, but she's not evil. And yeah, and I'm, they're both bad in both different ways. Yeah, like. Harley in um, the movie Birds of Prey is more so she's just trying to um, survive. You know, she broke up and it's more so in the the show, she splits up with the Joker. But in the movie, she gets kicked out and she has to like go through the the stereotypical tropes of like she cuts her hair and then immediately regrets it um, and eats a bunch of ice cream and bad food, buys a pet kind of thing. And it's played for laughs, but in reality, this is a broken person going through a really, really bad breakup from a really toxic relationship. And she kind of leans on that. She has been with, she's still with the Joker for, you know, months afterwards. So that way no one messes with her. And it's not that like she wants to still be with the Joker. It's because it's protection. It's protection. I do like that angle. But it also means it has to restrict her from what she actually can do. Right. Uh, again, it feels more realistic. Uh, but I do like when she strikes on her own in the animated series to just say, well, I'm going to prove to everyone that I deserve to be here just as bad as you do in her hilariously messed up way. I did like that the um, <laughs> at one point she goes and tries to get like henchmen or goons and they're like they're showing her like this like list like this guy he's a demolition expert this guy he's a hacker and this guy he's a professor he's so smart and like this guy is your muscle and like she's like I'll take them all and like she's like yeah absolutely and he's like okay well does the Joker approve sign off on all these she's like oh the Joker's not in the picture it's just me and they're like. And everything just like immediately shuts down, and like the windows shades roll up, and they're not like available anymore. Yeah, since when? Since now. now. <laughs> it, it's and it's really um, and it does play into the misogyny on that point. Each property plays into the misogyny in their own way. Um, so I I think we we're, we're split, but we're split for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I think we both have respect for each other's choices like i do i completely agree i think kaylee kuko was an excellent choice uh because funnily enough her co-star from big bang theory um who play who also plays a blonde um plays harley quinn in batman and harley quinn uh kind of a feature uh film uh, animated film um but i've heard some uh clips from it and she like, she goes more nasally with it mm -hmm. because that's just kind of her her tropes kaylee kuko goes more of like the angry girl um and throws a little bit of jersey in there and i think that's a little bit more what harley quinn is and i've not seen the movie so i can't tell you for certain this is not like oh i know exactly what i'm talking about i really don't i really really don't so mm -hmm. Um, I need to watch that before I can say I know what I'm talking about. But that I know her rendition of Harley Quinn was not really well received. Mm -hmm. But I know beyond us, everyone that I've talked to about the show likes the show. So, um, but I personally, I, I got to go with Margot Robbie. I really have been enjoying Margot Robbie. Even fantastic. the people that look like Margot Robbie, the one actress that like keeps getting mistaken for Margot Robbie too. <laughs> 
Uh, what movie was that one from? Um, Hide and Seek. That's right. And she is in the new um, Bill and Ted movie too. I'm pretty sure. Excellent. All right, so that's our that's our main girl. It's our title girl. Let's talk side characters next. Uh, animated show Poison Ivy is probably my most favorite character in such a long time like this could be her show and i love that they're i mean that's what the comics are going with right now too that poison ivy and harley quinn are in a relationship and even not in a relationship just roommates and best friends and completely in sync with each other forming this group effort this team hustle and i Really enjoyed that they took that element, continued it out here, and gave her this really beautiful arc about letting people in and trusting them. And the, the main fact, the reason I love it so much, is because Poison Ivy was created to be this villain, but she's an eco-terrorist. Unlike Thanos' eco-terrorist, though, I actually sympathize with her because... She continually says, yeah, I don't get why saving plants makes me a villain, but okay. Yeah, sure. and that, that makes a, a ton of freaking sense, too, because they um, like they keep like, oh, yeah, the, the, the villain, Poison Ivy. And if you go back to other properties like the movies or the video game, the, specifically the Arkham video games where she is in um, every one um, – or more so, she's in the first one and the third one. Very big. Um, she's more of a side villain in the second one uh, for Catwoman. But she is definitely a um, a force to be reckoned with. It's less that she's a villain or like an eco-terrorist in, in that. And it's more so that she cares more about plant life than she does about human life. Because she is half plants. She, that, that you know... It runs through her veins, it, so it's understandable. So when someone cuts their lawn, it's like chopping, it's like scalping people for her. So it's understandable. It's it's a relatable villain for that point. I love this take on her. She is the snarky roommate that everyone wants. That like sets you straight kind of thing. Like even when you don't want to hear it. Um, for a year, she was in Arkham with Harley, telling her he's not coming back. Please just let him go. Just be better than this. Yeah, exactly. And I um I I really like her. Um I would I I have to go. My favorite from the show is a tie King Shark? No, a tie between Clayface and Kite Man. Oh, those are two good ones, too. Again, and, and, so many good characters. So I'm going to start with the latter one first, because he's not had too many um, iterations. Yeah, he feels like Condiment King and level of known Batman antagonist. Exactly. Like, it's really funny. I remember there was something that they were talking about, like, with Batman, like, they were going, blah, 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 like, Calendar Man, Condiment Man, Kite Man, blah, blah, blah. And, like, these are all real villains that he has had. Like, Calendar Man... Sounds stupid. He's actually incredibly dangerous. Um, but uh, Kite Man is real. He is canon. But all he does is has a kite. That's so literally it. It's all he has. So um, and, uh, the way they introduce him is hilarious. I kind of, I thought it was funny how they kept him going. And he ends up having some depth. I think that's that just shows the writers 
having an opportunity to continue a good character or to make a one note character into something else. So um, I found him funny. I thought his voice actor did a good job with him too, making him broy but not over the top broy. Um, there's a show Chuck um, that I talk about way too much already. Uh, Zachary Levi, I love you to death. Uh, but there was uh, a character on there. I think it was called the Captain or Captain Bro, Captain Cool. I keep I forget. He was just his sister's boyfriend, and he was just like this bro who you cannot believe is like a doctor or like a medical student. Like, how the hell is he smart enough to be going through this? He ends up being like an actual like intelligent person throughout the series. Like they kind of they like take him from a semi one note character into a fairly competent person. He's not like like super duper like he's not be, he doesn't become an agent. He does help at one point or a few points, but he do, he's not one note for the rest of the time. So I'm surprised they pulled the 180 on Kite Man to be honest, because I thought I was going to hate him after that first time yeah, I saw him. Me too. I thought the exact, especially because of what he what he pulls in that episode. Um, but they they don't necessarily redeem him, but they give him the opportunity to. He has a very specific kind of charm. Exactly. Very specific. Very specific. And they still don't like play everything to the right degree with it. But Clayface. Of course you love the actor thespian character. Of course I love the Alan Tudyk thespian character. Clayface, this is not Clayface truly. This is their version of Clayface. And that's perfectly okay. Because the they they went completely in a different direction. And I like it. Because Clayface typically it the, the, okay, sorry. It's a completely different direction that still makes sense for the character. Uh because originally Clayface was Boris it's not Karloff, but he was named after Boris Karloff. Um and he was a actor from all these movies and he was very renowned and everything like that. Uh, and then when he found out that his movie was being remade without him being the lead, even though he was still around, still acting, not doing big roles, though, kind of off Broadway, off off Broadway stuff. He got extremely mad and started killing the cast members so he could possibly become into the the fold. And um they uh and he was found out by batman and then uh got into this g gang of uh members who could like f change their forms or whatever and then he figured out a way to absorb their powers or their like abilities into himself to create the ultimate actor and that's why he is now clayface that's why he can change his shape and and everything like that. It went a little bit wrong. That's why he doesn't have like a true shape anymore. He has like this like moldy clay exterior. But that's why he does that. So in the games and in the comics, he's a lot more villainous, a lot more like, I shall kill you. I shall be I shall become the the actor who killed Batman. You know, he shall he he's a little he's a lot more bombastic. In this, he's that hackney hack hackneyed actor you like you see in an audition who never gets the part <laughs> he's the Titus Andromedon who who just like who actually maybe have a little bit of talent but it's just too much uh you have to have nuance he is 
He's Calculon. <laughs> oh, oh, completely. That's what I was getting the entire time. The fact that he's like coaching the Riddler as he's talking on live television about his riddle, like, no, you're doing great. Just like, like emote. Where's, where's that energy I know you have? Where is that boy? Let him out. <laughs> yes, bring some dramaticness to it. Um, and, and if you were to bring him back from the villainous angle and focus on the acting angle, which is, you know, Boris slash Carla, or sorry, Actually, I think it's no, no. Sorry, his name can't actually be Boris no, Karloff. It's Bor. It's it's maybe it's something Karloff or it's Boris something. Um, I can look it up, but I'm Boris not going. Boris Shatner. To. <laughs> oh, gosh, uh, but it, that actually does make sense if you pull back on the villainous angle and go more on the acting angle, which is really what he is from. Yeah, the whole point of him is to become a better actor. Yeah, and I'm the best actor. And like the the video game um, Arkham uh, City like knew what to do with that yeah i think they featured him pretty well on that too yeah we're not going to spoil that if you've not played that like you know big monster as opposed to deceiver exactly so i um i I enjoyed it and of course he's played by alan tudyk and i adore alan tudyk so um i'm gonna give a quick shout out to king shark i king shark was fun i love king shark just coming in as this totally terrifying creature and just being like i do computers and I wear these cool clothes. Hey guys, should we go get waffles later? Just he's <laughs> he's a beautiful character, and I I need that man in my life. Like, hey guys, um, I see your computer has all of your cookies uh, in here. Also, um, do I smell blood? Because if I do, I will. Um, go. I, I don't go do well. Back. I don't. I don't do well with it. Uh, he's his voice actor is so familiar to me. Do I recognize him from something? No, because I don't recognize him. He, his voice, well then his voice acting is great because I love the way he does the character with this. Ron Funches, Funches. Yeah, okay, okay. I do recognize that name because, yeah, he's... He's in Trolls. Well, I don't think I've ever seen the Trolls movie, but uh, even if I hadn't, I do love the delivery that he does with these lines. Like, he's, he just seems like a very good friend to have around yeah uh so let's talk about he's oh that's where you know him from he's in bob's burgers he is horseplay yes 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 okay thank you the connection has been made i'm not gonna go insane let's talk about birds of prey because there are just as many side characters if not more and the movie if you didn't know this birds of prey uh they originally it went through so many name changes about what they're actually going to call this freaking movie. Yeah, because if you look at it on IMDb, it's like got like six different names. I'm sorry, I'm watching a trailer, um, literally as I'm recording, uh, because the oh, crap, the woman I was talking about, um, it, it's not hide and seek, it's ready or not. That's it. Um, and the uh, woman who played her is Samara Weaving, who is all the time mistaken for Margot Robbie because they do have a striking resemblance. But she has been in a ton of fantastic movies. I actually really enjoyed Ready or Not. Um, I wish they had... The ending was really, really good. I wish they had gone just a hair more in the direction that they were going. Uh, but it's still really good. They She was in that movie recently with Daniel Radcliffe, Guns Akimbo. Um, which I he- I've heard it's not great. Um, but she is in Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, I'm excited for that. But... 
we're talking about the movie with all the titles. <laughs> As uh, I intru- interrupted you, sorry. That's okay. So the movie is ostensibly about Harley Quinn, and that's why it's called And the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I think they were too afraid to have Harley Quinn's name at the end of the title. Like, you wouldn't know what it was if you didn't see her name first immediately. Uh, but they can just call it Harley Quinn either. It's so like, okay, we'll do Birds of Prey. So, so many things all getting thrown together, and eventually they settled on all of them combined. But either which way, the story ostensibly is told from Harley Quinn's perspective, but it also manages to show origin stories for three other well-known characters in the DC universe who go on to become the Birds of Prey. And I think that's cool because the, the movie does a very clean job of explaining the connections between all of these women and why it's important that they that they are similar and that they work together. The idea that each one of them has is is feeding into an expectation of someone else's view of them, or is fueled by that instead of what they want to be with their own lives, and how important it is that you do what you want for you and not because someone else told you to. There's a um, in in the the reason that I th- I think that this beyond the cor- the quarantine and the pandemic and everything like that um i think that this movie would have only done slightly better if it had come out at a different time or if the pandemic had not happened um then it it has been doing or it has done um they also just need to release it on a streaming service that's part of the problem right now um it's a good movie but it's a little jumbled in how they present the story because in reality it's not just harley quinn's story harley quinn is kind of the she's the narrator the narrator the she kind chooses of the to tell m- how she says that's why the movie's so jumbled because there's so many scenes happening in so many different times than a straightforward story would be and you're left asking wait who's this and who's that and then eventually she rewinds and shows you this and that so it's it's it's, it's chaotic like her it, yes if it was just chaotic like her it would this would be a different conversation there's a different way uh, instead of having an unreliable narrator because that is actually a story trope that you can rely on as a director as a writer blah 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 there's still some other things that they do that don't necessarily work there are times when she's not narrating and it's a little jumbled is does that make this movie terrible no it just does make it a little hard to follow at times whenever they finally all get together and it's not her narrating it does get cleaner so maybe if they didn't present it that way they had her narrating the whole time kind of like deadpool maybe it would have been better i'm not sure but or have been more consistent or didn't have her narrating at all it might have been better but i don't think this is a bad movie because of it but it's not just Harley Quinn's story. It's all of their stories. But they're using Harley Quinn as kind of the, the glue or the, the spine. And then the rest of the stories are sprouting out from them. But they're not side enough stories. They're still main stories. Because near the end, she says something about like, no, they're not just here for this person. They're also here for me. They're here for you. They're here for you. They're here for you. So it makes sense because it, that is completely correct. Usually the perspective is told from an everyman or a man who's being thrust into a world he does not realize <laughs> Keanu Reeves in the matrix. He doesn't know just like us. We have to Whoa. learn Harry Potter, start from the outside, work your way in, expand the world. But Harley Quinn is different because she is arguably the most insane 
so it's not about her being an everyman or being outside world looking in. It's more that she's the most recognizable of these women to the casual fan audience. I, and I and I agree with that. I think the, that thought process of having her story be the main story, I get that. I don't I'm I'm not I'm not skilled enough to be able to say Okay, I've identified the problem. Now, here's what you do to change it. I'm just skilled enough to kind of identify the problem. And and even then, I'm still kind of stumbling in the dark. Um, I I've watched better men or not, sorry. When I when I say men, I actually mean in the general use of the men. I've watched better reviewers be able to identify problems, and now I've been I've learned how to identify some problems. I think the unreliable narrator or this jumbled narration that they have is not bad. I think they could have done it in a better way or have done it a little bit differently to help the story along. Because once they meet up, I remember, I, I sorry, if you remember, I was like, this movie is awesome now. Like from that point to the end, it was. Oh yeah, I think we were upset that they hadn't gotten together sooner. Like that was. It they didn't was, have to like j- rush together and get together. But the minute quickly. they get together, things just start organically. Like this is a ensemble cast that organically feeds off each other that can only benefit from them being next to each other to rib on each other. Like the last like third of the movie or even the last fourth of the movie felt very similar to say like suicide. Not suicide. Squad. Please don't. <laughs> not suicide. I'm sorry. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, exactly. You have these such disparate, loud personalities having to work together. And Guardians did a good job of that. Yeah. If if Suicide Squad is a is if this is a mess, then Suicide Squad is unintelligible. It's not a mess. It's like it's like writing a good final paper, but you leave a lot of typos and grammar mistakes in because you weren't able to edit it because you like you wrote it and it's a good solid thesis and um, structure, but there's a lot of like ed- ed- grammar and typos. You got to one point before you'd fully explained the point. Yeah. Some points got left out. It's not, again, I'm please understand dear listener and dear wife. Uh, I am not dunking on this movie. I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed the unreliable narrator, the jumble narration. And I, and I do get like why it was jumbled at times but i feel like if they could have approached it a little differently or approached it in a way to help the story move a little bit more fluidly Mm -hmm. uh the first character we meet besides harley of our birds of prey is our policewoman who talks like she's out of an 80s movie (laughs) and i do enjoy how they clarify that in narration that the reason she sounds so hokey is because she was raised on that sort of movie and that's what she that's what a cop is and it's it's very very cool because that's what heroes do uh and i think every time you saw rosie perez on screen you were like i love her i love rosie perez uh i mean i'm a little biased with rosie uh because of chell Oh my god, I didn't know that's who that was. I don't know if I've ever been more disappointed in you. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Oh yes, it's all clicking now. You know what? I just saw some really cool um, animation for Chell too from a graduate student's thesis project. And I had that on the brain. I can't believe I didn't make that connection. I am very sorry. Uh, So that's our first bird of prey. And then we see her get a call from someone we haven't met yet, who turns out is someone we did meet yet, we just didn't realize. 
it's Black Canary who sings in the club run by a black mask. Yeah, you see, you kind of see her like there's like this like cool shot. Um, this movie stylistically is gorgeous. The colors pop so beautifully. Again, when you don't have to put every DC movie through that grunge and darkness filter, and you can movies like Wonder Woman and Holly Quinn that don't look anything like each other, but they do look like their character. Shazam. Shazam, Shazam is still it like it still has its own style. It's still a little grungy, but not in the same way as all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is a beautiful movie. Um, but we get uh, Black Canary, who it turns out may not be the original black canary because she is not so she seems to be her daughter and it's they talk about that in the end in the movie about how her mom used to work with the gcpd and help take down crimes and how she doesn't want to do that because her mom died as a result of that and no one came to help her uh so again talking about that system that people exploit yeah i'm uh i'm interested to see where they go if they go any further with like say the the black canary character because um, one of like my favorite Harley Quinn comic moments um, after you know the the show um, is because as much as I love the Arkham games because I even like Arkham Knight a lot um, I'm one of the few but I I did like Arkham Knight they didn't use Harley Quinn that well they she was a footnote she was the Joker's girlfriend in the first one she um, she just tried to help the Joker in the second one and then she just was a like a side villain in the third one mm-hmm. it, it's not she's nothing really in the games in the comics she has her own series she has her own gang at one point she she has a lot of foot um foot trap or not foot traffic <laughs> um she has a lot in the the comics and this is a rare instance of a character who was created for the television version of an already existing comic book character and story arc who was then brought into the comics because of her popularity in the television show. And very few things happen that way. Yeah. They come back into the medium. Yeah. And uh, we actually have a funny story about that. Uh, at one point, you see Rosie Perez's character, Montoya, um, like reaching over for her phone and she's like reaching onto her bed and there's a TV in the background. And um, there's a person in like a clown costume or a Harlequin costume, um, and it's Sin and the Clowns. That very scene is what inspired Paul Dini to create Harley Quinn because it's even played by Arlene Sorkin, who goes on to play because he was friends with her. He saw her and he's like, "I have an idea for a character. Would you be interested in trying?" And and they went from there because I think the very first appearance of Harley Quinn is different than how she continued appearing later on. But yeah, she, she's just kind of like this female Harley Quinn person at the very beginning. And then she grew into this, the Joker's girlfriend kind of thing. But there is a point with Harley Quinn where she is fighting the other black canary, the more quote unquote traditional uh, version that a lot of people seen. The blonde hair. The one who's married to the archer. Uh, green arrow. Yeah. Yes. Um, fishnet, tights, bodysuit, black leather jacket kind of thing. So appropriate for fighting. Go on. <laughs> Anyways, um, at one point, they are fighting, and she is, they're talking, and Black Canary goes, hang on, and then leans over to a trash can and throws up, and Harley goes, what? Are you pregnant or something like that? And Black Canary just stares at her. She goes, oh, my God, you're pregnant. And she's like, 
I haven't really been telling anyone. She's like, well, we can't keep fighting. She's like, what do you mean? I, I, I can't let you go. She's like, I'm not going to fight a pregnant woman. And um, it's and it's just it's a funny little kind of back and forth. And then Harley tells uh, Black Canary, it's just like I've actually have I've had a little girl, um, and the girl lives with her sister upstate, and she visits her from time to time. Uh, the Joker doesn't know about her, or um, which I think leads into some other characters that come in later on in the New Fifty Two. I think, but um, and then later on in the, that comic series after black canary has the child harley visits her in the hospital after she's had the child she's wearing like this crop top and these little booty shorts and her thongs like pulled up to her hips and she's i think she's got her hyenas or something like that and she comes in with like all these presents of balloons she's like oh my god i have to see her, have to see her. <laughs> and um she comes in and she like throws all these presents and she's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm here to visit you. And like, thanks. And then like, she, and she like looks at some of the presents. She's like, is this a muzzle? She's like, uh, yeah, I had it for my hyena. I had it for bud whenever he was teething or something like that. Cause her hyenas are named bud and Lou in the, the show and in the comics named after Abbott and Costello. Uh, and black Canary's like, I am not putting a muzzle on my child. And she's like, you have uh, screaming powers. When did you develop them and learn how to control them? And uh, Black Canary just stares at her for a second. She goes, give me the muzzle. <laughs> so it's it's fun. Um, I've not read the full comic from what that's from. Uh, the illustration is really good. It's, um, uh, it's not elongated, but it's realistic without being hypers, uh, hyperly done. So... Um, and I've heard that Black Canary in that is one of the best iterations of it too. So, um, but I I I did enjoy this version of Black Canary too, and uh, a little bit of not mommy issues but parental issues in this, and I can tell why. And it's hard to bring these kind of characters to life, and I think they did a good job with her. So. Yeah, I think so too. They've all been wronged in some way, especially Huntress. Poor Huntress, so Poor the Huntress. crossbow killer. It's it's Huntress. Should um, <laughs> that was funny as hell. Um, before we get into Huntress, should we do our um, uh, do you remember sponsor to, dome? There you go. I was wondering <laughs> if you'd get there eventually. Yes, let's do the sponsor dome. Uh, as always, our main sponsor today is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free listening trial for 30 days. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of quality, quality audio books, programming, and so much more. Download a trial for free and start listening. It's just that easy. I mean, I, I'm impressed. I, I she did that without looking at the, 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 what I've we're supposed to watched, read. I've, I've learned from the master. I've watched you do it. You've so watched me stumble through it all I've the time. I've watched you do it so often, but that's okay because I want you to tell us about the book that you found for today. Uh, the book that we are recommending this uh, episode is uh, has to do with Harley Quinn, but really more has to do with her um, property or DC. Uh, it is Batman in Psychology, A Dark and Stormy Night. 
Batman is one of the most compelling and enduring characters to come from the golden age of comics, and interest in his story has only increased through countless incarnations since his first appearance in Detective Comics 27 in 1939. Why does the superhero without superpowers fascinate us? What does that fascination say about us? Batman in Psychology explores these and other intriguing questions about the masked vigilante. It is uh, by Travis Langley and is narrated by Paul Bellatoni. I love these sorts of books. This reminds me of when I was a kid and uh, I would get uh, Lord of the Rings and religion, Harry <laughs> Potter and numerology, and just all the different ways that you could tie properties that have existed for so long and are so popular in the zeitgeist to other things in the world and see how the name Albus Dumbledore actually means albino bumblebee. And what does that mean for the series as we move on to the future books? Like all these little cool things that you wouldn't have known otherwise so that's a really cool one especially with harley quinn being a psychiatrist which does play a role in both the tv show and the movie which is nice because i think people tend to forget that she's very smart and she has diagnosed all of these villains that she is facing she knows exactly what their deal is sometimes she just doesn't care or sometimes she's like actually trying to like help them and uh, we see that in both of the uh uh these versions of you know in the animated show and in the movie where she's like, um, I have a PhD in psychology. This is what's wrong with you. Get your help. You know, and it's um, it's really kind of funny that they are actually go diving into the backstory of these character of this character and doing it well. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say like which one is better. Um, if you're hoping for like a compare and contrast of which one's better. I don't think we're going to be able to do that unless yeah. you are going to be able to, because I don't think I am. I can give, I can definitely give it a try, but uh, I'd also like you to tell us about our competing sponsor today. Normally we don't do book versus book because Audible has so many selections and it's not good to pit the two against each other, but yeah. with some mediums like comic books and graphic novels, <laughs> it can be very hard to translate that into a purely audible medium so why don't you tell us about if you only have eyes and no ears what you could do instead in the sponsor dome well instead uh you could do um pedals to the metal i believe the book is right behind you on the shelf baby if you i'm looking something else up oh, okay uh if you are familiar at all with the mcelroy brothers you know that they host a much more successful podcast than us called uh, like six thousand billion six times of these, six of the six of them way they more are, popular than us their whole family does podcasts and we probably have mentioned them before and they're very good good goofs uh but they started a D, &D podcast ages ago and have recently been able to turn it into a series of graphic novels which is great because sometimes you don't have 25 hours to listen to a one season arc of a DD &D podcast but you do have time to read a 200 page graphic novel with pretty pictures in it yes and with so many in jokes and easter eggs and stuff like that but regardless of that um each one of these as huge McElroy fans of as huge Mavin Bam fans and even Adventure Zone fans, we we have re, re uh we reread these uh when the third one that just came out came out and we got it in the mail. We reread the first one and the second one and just just the artwork alone is amazing. You should be following Carrie Peach. She does amazing artwork. It is just Oh, it's beautiful. The character design, the faces, the I don't know if I've ever had more of a crush on a man than Taco in this book, in these books. <laughs> like I'm Magnus in this book basically. His hair is almost identical and I have the same bushy beard, but 
Taco is beautiful. I, I don't know how else to say it. He is. so. And there's been such talk about them turning this into an animated television show. Eventually. And of course, we'll be there for that. But in the meantime, uh, we recommend the third book in the Adventure Zone graphic novel series, Petals to the Metal. It is, it was the number one bestseller uh, on the New York Times bestseller list because every time they come out, people line up. And they do think it's quite funny to have a bunch of internet randos make the top 100 list every time one of these books come out. <laughs> and just everyone else in the list wondering, now, who are these fools and what are they doing here? Um, I'm also looking at uh, that w- maybe for future episodes, but there are a couple McElroy books on Audible. Are there now? Yeah, I know wh- they just came out with a book about wh- how to podcast. Yeah, that one has not officially come out yet. That's right. Yes, yeah, not but yet. There is another one, but... Um, we may save that for a different time. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, if you can, um, even if you go back to the first one, um, uh, here, there, here, there be Gerblins. Um, that's a great place to start. Um, Pedals of the Metal is so good. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with the fourth one and how they get through the rest of the series. Cause we are literally on the last episode. We like stopped halfway through of the arc. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of this, this. Yeah. Seven series, seven seasons arc because after this they start doing new stories they start having new, new characters tellers. so anyway if you're a fan <laughs> of D, if you're a fan of humor if you're a fan of graphic novels we highly recommend the adventure zone pedals to the metal as our other contender in the sponsor dome yes so uh so be sure to go to audibletrialcom slash married to the idea and that is to the idea uh remember to get your free 30-day trial membership uh, so one of the last characters we want to talk about before we get into the oh, no, until got we get into the villains oh, and the plot okay. uh, is Huntress, who I love the idea of this last member of this family that's all been killed going off to train as an assassin in the in the hills of the of the Barcelona and becoming a the hills a, are alive with the sound of gunfire, just being trained in this weapon and then coming back to exact revenge upon her. Do you think that she picked out that weapon just so she could have something that was like, like unique? Well, Montoya does say that this weapon is made to kill you slowly. They're getting shot with a crossbow through the throat. It's going to take a while. Uh, I like that it's a gun, but an arrow. It's uh, and she even <laughs> says that. Uh, I forget the joke that she's not freaking Legolas. She does. It's not a bow and oh, arrow. Oh yeah, it's like I'm not fucking twelve. <laughs> yeah, this movie has a lot of cursing. So does the animated show. Don't new new Hollywood curses. So be wary of that. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I like it because when we get to all of them working together. She's clearly the one who's trained for this most, but she's also, because of this training, the most socially awkward of the bunch, having just no way of how to like deal with people in conversations and just completely out of her depth. And again, such in- interesting. Like if you know, Batman trains for t- you know twenty years in the Himalayas, comes back and has no problem being a playboy or talking to women or anything. Like, I you think being alone for that long, focused solely on revenging your parents' death, would make you perhaps not so good with the ladies, but whatever, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so, and you were right, Aaron. When all of these ladies get together at the end and start go- working together, again, the playback between all of them is just fantastic. Little, little stupid little touches, which made me 
roll on the floor. Like, Black Canary getting so fed up with her hair just getting in her eyes that she screams. And then they just come by, like, you need a hair tie, girl? Yes, thank you. And then just her putting up her hair as she continues to kick butt. I'm like, this is so freaking relatable. <laughs> it's too, it's so good. And it's, it's that kind of relatability that makes you realize that the people who are made this did their, like, took the time and thought, what are the things that would really deal with female superheroes or any woman who's trying to be in combat heels nope ain't gonna happen uh like even when they wear something with a heel it's not like a stiletto it's a wedge it's a wedge and or something with more grip on the bottom where you're not walking on literally like four millimeters which i have discovered the size of the and recently that can be quite huge yeah in the it, right context it's either small or huge you know <laughs> depending on what you're looking at but the you know and um there's actually there was talk about uh harley quinn's costumes in this uh, movie versus suicide squad because suicide squad was directed by a man costume designer was a man and this one was uh, directed by a woman. Costume designer was a woman. Apparently, um, Margot Robbie complained that the costumes in um, Suicide Squad were uncomfortable. Not that she, I thought she was uncomfortable with it. I'm sure she wasn't really comfortable with them. They just weren't comfortable to wear. Yeah, and it's she's an object of desire in Suicide Squad. She is, she's not really... She's just... The, she is the girlfriend of the Joker. She's this crazy broad... She is Harley Quinn in she is Dr. Harleen Quinzel or Harley Quinn in this movie. Like I prefer this version of Harley Quinn versus the Suicide Squad with the sexy costumes. I don't get me wrong, I like the sexy costumes because you know I'm a I'm I'm a male you, or a can... uh, sorry, I'm a I'm a straight male. Um I, I I apologize for using the wrong pronouns and everything like that. But in this one, they specifically made costumes that were more comfortable to wear or what a normal woman would fucking wear. Well, they even do that in the TV show, too. We have Harley get this brand new outfit. Uh, but Poison Ivy just wears, like, this tree hugger t-shirt and leggings yeah. and wears this leather jacket, and that's just her vibe. But I think the TV show is a little bit more male gaze. You think it's a bit more fan service-y? Yeah, because, I mean, I'm literally looking at a picture of her right now, and it's a bra top and, like, the high-waisted short. It's... There are definitely points. With a com with a animated show, I do get this sense that you're allowed to be a bit more ridiculous with things. But you are correct, Aaron. When you say the animated movie, like uh, the live action movie, you can be sexy without being available. Like these are all beautiful women who are hot and gorgeous, but they are not here for you. They are here for themselves. So they dress how they would want to dress. And it's not an invitation for you to come over and say, well, hi over there. Yeah. And, and like I, um, the Huntress costume, I thought that was it looked not utilitarian, but it looked like it served the purpose. But it was still a nice looking costume. Black Canary, I think, does wear a a short bra top, but it never made me feel like, oh, that's leery. Oh, we're just looking at there her boobs. There was one point. She was where, running down the street. Yeah, I know. she was running down the street. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going, I'm watching that one particular area. And I, again, I apologize. But I apologize for my gender or my, 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 my sexuality in that <laughs> point. But the, but yeah, it's it wasn't made for the male gaze. It was made because she was dressing up in a particular way. Whereas instead of, like on the TV show or in Suicide Squad, 
she is wearing something for the male gaze. It is a fan service thing. But even the TV show is better. She's not wearing high heels. She's not wearing those those not kitten heels, but she's not wearing those those pumps. Pump, no, the 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 heel boot thing that yeah. she wears in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. In the TV show, she's wearing sneakers with pom poms, which I can see a woman wear. Well, again, coming from my standpoint, uh, I, I can see we could a woman. all use sneakers yeah. with pom poms in our lives. And she's wearing long socks, a little fan servicey, but um, I think the high waisted. Shorts are fun, but I that kind of toe that line. But then the bra topper is kind of very fan servicey. Um, I think both the do TV you wonder, show, Aaron, that maybe the TV show again, I, I don't like to speculate, but do you think that the TV show did better than the movie because they played more into that male gaze than no, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I, I. I hope not. I hope that's oh, yeah. not the reason. I would hope so too, but you do have to remember that we're playing with comic book fanboys who don't like you touching their stuff and don't like you changing but their things. But Poison Ivy, if you look back on the games, oh yeah, completely dude, the, different. Yeah, but she she definitely had like she was wearing like leaf panties or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like a, like a leaf thong or something. It has to do all with camera angles, and I don't find them doing in either one of these many camera angles that are meant to focus right on that. I, um, yeah, they seem to be more. They they never seem to go that route, and I appreciate that. Yeah, like even when they reveal Harley Quinn's new outfit in the TV show, it's not like slow pan where you see her butt and then a slow pan. Like at one point, they're going into someone's mind, and the uh, Doctor Psycho is like, "Clench your butt and close your eyes," and they do it, but they show everyone's butt. It's not just the, yeah, it's Equality not Black Widow. It's not Black Widow with her back to you turning back around so you can see her butt and her boobs at the same pose. It's you see everyone's Oh yeah, no butt. Fleischer poses here. I'm yeah. sorry, um, Fleischman? Um, like, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. That comic artist. The comic yeah. artist who somehow manages to show both the front and back of women. But they kind of, yeah, exactly. Um, but they kind of balance it a little bit because Poison Ivy, who has historically like worn like super skins tight stuff or like almost nothing at all, is wearing extremely sensible clothing. Um and she gets a little fan servicey when she in the last episode, mm-hmm. but I, I for for the trope that she's playing, I enjoy that trope, and it yeah. was handled better than I think its originator way back in the yeah 50s, oh one hundred percent one hundred percent so um so yes, Aaron, I know that you want to talk about villains. We got to talk <sighs> about our villains. Um, so do you want to start with the TV show? Yeah. Okay, because we've been talking about the movie, so we'll talk about the TV show. Um. The Joker in the TV show is an ass. He's an ass. He's absolutely an ass. He is like the worst jealous ex-boyfriend ever. But like the one who's like, oh, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous at all. Like, don't let her or like uh instantly dislike this status and like make sure. Oh yeah, make sure I'm having a great time. And no, I broke up with her and poor thing. I'm I'm happy to let her fade into obscurity as she would want. Just just the biggest prick. And I, I appreciate that the show goes out of its way to show that this is not a healthy relationship. This was a toxic relationship from the beginning. You don't have to go that far. You go straight into the animated TV series for children. And it's very clear that the Joker is not nice to her, doesn't treat her well, doesn't think of her as her own person. And the people who are like, I, I want the Joker and Harley relationship have never understood. It's always been unhealthy. 
in the first iterations of Harley Quinn, he was abusive to her. He almost kills her multiple times in the series. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous how abusive and toxic this relationship is. It's never a good relationship. Like, even when they try to present it as a good relationship, it still throws up some serious red flags. And I don't understand why people are like, oh, I want to be like Joker and Harley. No, you want to control your significant other is what you want to do. Or you romanticize it the same way that she has. That it's not a, it's, a point. it's not a grenade. It's a ring. Yeah. It's not a fight. It's a proposal. All these things. Even in the New 52, there's this fun lenticular cover of a comic book that I have for Harley and Joker. And when you turn it one way, it's them on a beach like uh, with a wedding dress on it's a beautiful series and then you flip back it's them uh, with guns drawn on each other and about to kill each other it's like yeah that's that's about right yeah i um i i've never maybe when i was younger like and i didn't truly understand toxic relationships or how relationships can be toxic and how to identify toxicity in myself I might have like said, oh, you know, that's a fun relationship or like, oh, that'd be cool. But even when I was a kid and I watched the series for a little bit, it's like he does not treat her well. Like there's a whole episode dedicated in the in the fourth season, which is kind of regarded as one of the was not the greatest season of the, the series um, of the Batman animated series. Yes, exactly. Sorry, not not um, Harley Quinn. Um uh, it, it deals with Joker and Harley Quinn and like it's the infamous like don't you want to take a ride on your Harley and she's in like her 90 which they make a reference to in the series uh, or in the TV show that we're talking about here um, and like at one point he knocks her out of a window yeah it's like he, I think he says uh, like if you have to explain it it's not funny anymore and then he like kicks her out of a window yeah then- possibly to her joke he's like oh, yeah. oh Just- that wasn't funny and then, like, that's, like, the end of the episode. Like, I feel like they had to make this episode to show, like, this is not a good relationship. Stop fucking romanticizing You shouldn't it. like this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this one is also voiced by Alan, Alan Tudyk. So he does Alan two Tudyk. characters? Oh, he does multiple characters. I think he does. But Alan Tudyk is becoming a, a really good voice actor. I mean, he's in every Disney 3D movie now. Fair enough. <laughs> Duke of Weaseltown. Weaseltown. Uh, yeah, this Joker, they do such a perfect, great job. Like, he says the things that every woman hates to hear, which is a great way to instantly just get you on her side, not his. Like, women aren't funny. Like, there's all these little darts would be nothing without me. Uh, but now you've, see, you've done exactly what I planned for you to do. I always meant for you to strike out on your own, but I could consider taking you back if you apologize. If you put on this outfit that represents how you were nothing without me and how I subjugated you at every turn in our relationship, I'll let them all go, of course. I love you. But you're going to go kill the Batman. Well, I'm going to run away now. Bye-bye. Not even kill the Batman. Like, you are going to distract him Yeah, while you are going to get hurt away. while I run away. Yeah, like, it makes no qualms. Doesn't try to make it in any way. He is an asshat and has always been an asshat, probably. And a sociopath like him could not love another person. He... I... Um... One of the YouTube personalities that that I follow a lot closer now um, because of certain things that have happened in the past, um, 
and I only follow him because I appreciate his um, his reviewer eye and everything like that. Um, Nostalgia Critic talks about the Joker. What he cares about is laughter or the laugh. He wants and that and anarchy, but he wants things to be funny. And things can be funny in different ways. Things can be funny um, because they're uncomfortable or things can be funny because it's a good joke. But he also wants things to be funny his way. He wants to pull off the ultimate laugh. And um, there's some there's some moments in the show that really kind of show that they do understand the Joker. They probably understand the Joker to a really big degree. Um, so like the Nolan movies focus more on the anarchy side, um, with a little bit of that laughter and the, the television, the animated series, the Batman, the animated series focus more on the laughter side with a little bit of the anarchy. This is a little bit more of kind of in between, not like the perfect iteration of the Joker by any means, but it's showing that, um, especially because it's more aimed as like, he's an asshole. The Joker is an asshole. He's not a good character. He's not a good person. He's not any of that. He wants to show what's wrong with the world by making people laugh at what is wrong. But he also is what's wrong in the world. It's kind of a two-headed coin. Two-face. Uh, but um, by showing his worst relationship, a.k.a. him and Harley Quinn, we can laugh at the Joker because he is the fucking worst. Just the worst. So they're them kind of showing like a weird warped mirror that really warps him back into this kind of easily digestible character. Like he's the worst. And she even says it when she finally gets to talk to the League of Doom. She says, why are you all listen to him? He doesn't have powers and he's mean to all of you and he doesn't treat you nice. Why do you let him? And which leads me to my favorite villain, Bane, sweet Jesus. Light of my life, Bane, in the animated series is just the most delightful creature I've ever come across. And I don't know how they managed to mix both the comic Bane and the Nolan Bane into one Bane, but he's beautiful Bane. And I need him just walking around with a little cup that says, Anarchy is my coffee, and talking about, uh, I'll be those credit cards reckoning. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'll blow up this bar. <laughs> I... They, I've been coming here. You never get my name right. Uh, guys, I hired you to help me kill this barista. <laughs> We're going to bomb his place. And they come out. He doesn't work here on Tuesdays. Oh. Well, okay. Well, I guess we'll get the schedule and come back then next time. Um, Good job, everyone. Good good hustle. Let's go. <laughs> Just that, it, the voice acting is so fabulous. I love every time he's on screen. He's probably my new favorite villain. Just because everyone hates him. And I tend to really like the characters that everyone just hates on, even when they seem to be very nice and totally reasonable. And and this reminds the way they've presented Gotham in this, whereas most um, versions of Batman, it presents the show or it presents the villains as t more typical villains. Like they are doing what they want or they are trying to achieve some goal. And like Scarecrow is trying to, 
bring fear to everyone. The Joker wants to make everyone laugh and bring anarchy. Uh, Two-Face wants order in in chaos at the same time. So he wants that balance. Killer Croc just wants to eat people. You know, the Riddler wants to stump the world's greatest detective. You know, the they, League of Doom, they actually do a really good job of making it much more of a bureaucracy. Exactly. It reminds me a lot. I'm sure they took probably a big page out of um, the Venture Brothers. Because the Venture Brothers is like, what if you had like the spy games and stuff like that? But in a huge, but there's a lot of bureaucracy in it. Like, because they have like the whole uh, hinching and um you know rivals and stuff like that upper management lower management everything's exactly. based on money you have to propose the board what the money to do and they prove it yay or nay and exactly like because the one of the they talk around the water cooler one of the main villains like doesn't want to deal with all that stuff he just wants to kill the the family or the 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 patriarch of the the family the uh, dr venture he just wants to kill dr venture that's all he wants to do but he has to get around all this fucking bureaucracy and it's what's what's hilarious about this show and through all the trials and tribulations he goes through trying to work with the bureaucracy and i just want to kill dr venture god damn it that's all i want to do and you're making it so dang impossible there's like six people out there who's went <laughs> <laughs> so, but this this reminds me a lot because that show is witty in that that kind of theory. That what if you had villains and stuff like that? But there's also like a bureaucracy with it. So, mm -hmm. it's a um, it's a very and interesting how the henchmen kind of don't have loyalty, but they do want to keep their jobs because it has good benefits. They're loyal to the almighty dollar. Yeah, like well, I I like you. It's been fun getting to know you as I've held you prisoner, but no, you know I can't let you go. I was like, like this gig. I'm gonna be down to three stars oh, on Hench.com. Oh, oh hey man, um. Uh, this is my first week with uh, the, the butterfly here. Um, it's not the butterfly, man. Do not call him the butterfly. You will be killed immediately. Uh, it's the monarch. Oh, um, I'm sorry, the monarch. Um, is there anything I should remember? Yeah, don't fucking call him the butterfly. Oh, <laughs> right. Um, anything else? Yeah, he has his really hot girlfriend called Dr. Girlfriend. Just, she's hot, but she's his voice thing. Just don't look at her. And if you if you hear her, don't laugh. Like literally, she has like this like deep like like you you know sometimes you hear that like hello there kind of like but it's like even deeper than that, <laughs> um but uh like that but it, this show has it too it's I think it's hilarious that they managed to incorporate it so, <laughs> um, so the the villains that they treat in the show do a great job, the movie, so I've. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. So tell me what you think about the movie villains, because we the the thing I was going to say is that the Joker is a footnote in the movie. They had to obviously follow Suicide Squad, which by Margot Robbie is still playing Harley Quinn. I still like her as Harley Quinn, so I'm cool with that. Uh, but they just have an animated beginning that shows a not Jared Leto looking at all Joker, just a more generic how Joker looks Joker uh, in the comics and everything. And we never see him again after that. And uh, it is what you said, Aaron, was because they are probably going to recast him yet again. And so they want to leave it open. So in case that happens, you can do that. But I also, curious to me, Suicide Squad seemed to take the toxic relationship of Harley Quinn and the Joker and kind of fix it where he doesn't treat her like garbage and he does truly care about her and busts her out of prison and truly does care and... I, I I liked that as a new reinterpretation. And this movie seems to be saying, I mean, I, I don't know what would be better. 
I, I like that it's Emancipation, her being freed, because obviously there's been more Jokers that have been assholes to Harley Quinn than Jokers who have been nice to Harley Quinn. I don't know really if there's been one. I mean, neither of us have seen Suicide Squad. Yeah, we're all talking pure speculation, but from reviews, it seems like they have more of a more of the relationship that we all thought they had before we took a better look at it. More of those two crazy people who love each other and do crazy shit, but it's okay because yeah, they're still in love. Um, like Sid Vicious and Nancy. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, an outsider's perspective of BDSM. They do terrible things to each other. Yeah, but it's all consensual. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's consensual, but it doesn't mean it's not toxic. So. Ex exactly. So there's, again, I think I liked it better that they walked away from that and said, no, the Joker's just always been a dick, and we're going to let her be free and do her own thing, and that's cool, and have a journey of growth. So Joker is not our villain in the Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, and um, the Joker, yeah, the, the Joker in this one is just a, a footnote and there's there's multiple reasons for that because the dceu is like really restructuring because of the abysmal performance of the justice league movie which should have been their avengers which was not well it wasn't properly built up no and fuck no can i say i'm really excited for robert pattinson as batman i thought you're about to say the snyder cut i'm like really no like i don't i don't give two shits no i'm just really excited for robert pattinson to be batman i the man is insane and amazing and i want to see what he does i'm curious i i've got to see a trailer first i've got to see something because like i'm usually like the person that like oh i've got to see trailers and then i've got to like delve and delve and delve and delve and i've pulled back a lot from that but i still i'm still one of those ones that like i've got to see something i've got to have a little bit because there was a movie recently where i was like oh i might be interested in this and then i saw the trailer i'm like i'm no longer interested in this mm -hmm. i have no no longer do i have any interest in this at all i'm hoping it'll be something like how everyone said oh heath ledger would be a terrible joker and then like he got way in oh, robert pattinson yeah. strikes me as the kind of person who would do that for a role well we all whenever we hear robert pattinson we all think twilight and that's but a shame had... i mean it's daniel radcliffe being associated as harry potter and he exactly. never escaped that shadow yeah and the problem is is both everyone gonna go and include daniel radcliffe both of these actors have gone on funnily enough because robert pattinson from harry potter but both of these actors have had amazing roles since their perspective breaking big things um uh, daniel radcliffe was apparently amazing in that movie where he played a, a corpse. corpse yep um a farting corpse nonetheless and he's done stuff on theater yeah mm -hmm. robert um, pattinson's gonna be in the new tenant whenever it comes fuck. out uh, we saw another trailer today. I was just like, mm. uh, or no, we saw a trailer before the Birds of Prey movie. Yeah, twenty twenty is just kind of wrecking things up right now. Could have had Tenet. Could, yeah, could have had a a, a great um, Ryan Reynolds movie, or a possibly great Ryan Reynolds movie too. Um, but like, I used to, I, I I used to be like that person. I'm like, whenever I saw a trailer that I was interested in, I'm like I gotta dive into it. I gotta dive into it. Like Cloverfield. Anytime someone posted a YouTube video uh, like this is the Cloverfield monster and this is why and the trailer proves this, I would watch it and I would dive into it. And there was other trailers like I think the Dark Knight trailer. I think I did that with too. I, I would watch them over and over and over. But then whenever I would watch the movie, I would know the scene scene as soon as it entered in. I'm like, oh, this is the scene. And so it started ruining things for me or I'd be like, I would be, oh, I know what to expect now. So with trailers, I will watch them every so often um, or I'll watch them once or twice. I'm not going to try to dive into them like I used to. Uh, so like with the Robert Pattinson one, I, I've got to see something. Give me give me that little taste 
and give me that little bit of mm, a little sousson. A little mousse bouche. A little mousse bouche. A little appetizer. And then you know, then I can make an opinion from there. Okay. Like, uh, so so you were going to tell me what- Artemis Fowl. It was Artemis Fowl. That was it. I'm like, I was I was interested in Artemis Fowl until I saw the fucking trailer. Oh, I, yes. Well, that will forever be our thing by what we should measure all bad movies. So yep. I want to hear what you thought about Black Mask and Zayos. So Black Mask, I don't I know the character of Black Mask, but I don't have as much exposure with Black Mask because he's kind of like that Falcone with a little bit more. He strikes me as a mob boss, just all he, scream. He is he's a mob boss with a little bit more oomph. Um Falcone is that typical mob boss for the Batman. Um he was in the first movie, uh played by not Brian Dennehy, but um he he he's basically like the mob boss in the first uh the dark the batman begins movie if you if you watch that that's falcone he's the st- er, stereotypical atypical no stereotypical mob boss um roman sionis is that but he becomes more he does become a villain in his own right he doesn't he's not just a mob boss uh, you know a don um uh because in the comics he does don this black mask. He does have an obsession with faces and masks and stuff like that. Which they do in the movie, too. Yeah, but in the comics, that mask becomes permanent. Yes, and we obviously don't get that. No spoilers, but we do not get that in the movie. He does wear it, though. Yes. We do get to see that sort of vibe. I'm not crazy and about the design. The design of it's cool, but it looks too big for his head. The In the comics, it's almost skin tight. Right. And more of a gimp suit. Yeah. Um, I like in this the one, idea... it looks like our the, the, the paper things that we do. Um, but I thought it would be cool cosplay. For a character that I knew nothing about, except for a few shots in Under the Red Hood, um, I really enjoyed the idea of the masks because it does feel like this character is driven by what other people think and show around him. He's all surface, nothing deeper. And so when we get to the scene in the club where he's trying to say, are you laughing at me? Well, I'm in charge. Do what I say. I want to see something that makes me feel good and happy, no matter what it makes you feel like. Do this for me. He seems to be very much driven by people's perception of him. Um, He, hmm. I, I would disagree that he's all surface, but I would, I would agree that there's not much more. I would say that he he has the um in a tragic way, not in an unflushed out way, but more in a uh, he only cares about that. That's his big motivation. That's his psychosis. Yeah, he's he's not a uber complicated character, but he's not a simple character either. He's um in in um there's there's a couple characters in the Batman um canon, uh more the Batman uh gallery of rogues. Um, or Rogue Scholar. There's um, only been two Batman villains that have truly scared me from the video games that we've played together. One was Killer Croc. Oh, he's just terrifying. Yeah. And two was the one that uh, was killing people to become Bruce Wayne. And Hush. Hush. Okay, so I was actually about to mention Hush. Okay. Uh, so Roman Sionis and Hush both kind of grew up similarly to Bruce Wayne to begin with and then of course bruce had his parents killed and then he became uh then later on he became batman hush um his he actually tried to kill his own parents and then his parents were were saved by thomas wayne 
who and then he had a lifelong became a lifelong grudge against the Waynes. Um, and he wanted to kill all three of them as you know, uh, to because he wanted his family's fortune, right? Um, but uh, the Roman Sionis grew up in kind of lap, lap, lap of luxury as well, but more so on the mob money side of things. Uh, he, um, uh, and it's, it's kind of interesting that they kind of played that parallel in the movie too. Cause he's, he's a rich white man. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you With know, huge daddy issues, huge daddy issues. Uh, I do enjoy this iteration of this character. And it's played by just the most charismatic <sighs> actor, Ian McGregor. Like, Ian McGregor. I love so Ian McGregor. I love Ian McGregor. He's, Wearing He's this, the best part of the prequel series. Wearing the seventies yeah. lounge style white suit and yeah. floral button up tee. Watching or eating popcorn, uh, like trying to watch someone get their face ripped off, and oh yeah, um, he he does it well. Um, I feel like they had a very specific type, and uh, they wanted to stick with that. I don't think I would have seen if there I don't know if there would have been a better villain because there's so many to pick from mm-hmm. but um who they had as his main henchman is a interesting choice and it's an interesting way to portray the character uh, for those of you who've seen the movie um you you already know who I'm talking about for those who haven't seen the movie I I'm, it's, this is probably a minor spoiler um for those who know the comics and the games and stuff like that it's Victor Zaz and it's when I said the word henchman and then Zaz, for those of you who've read the comics and played the games, you might have had a little small aneurysm. But the way this actor portrays the character, it's Zaz like. Not Zaz light, but Zaz like. Um, it's very similar to like Clayface. Like, it's not Clayface, but I can understand the character choices. Um, and like at first I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then it progressed and progressed. I'm like, okay, now I can understand this. Um, because in the comics and in the video games, uh, specifically, because that's my biggest exposure to Victor's ass, because they do a really good job bringing him into the fold, into Arkham uh, City and Arkham Knight. Uh, There's so few Batman villains that are just straight up serial killers. Yes. And so Victor, few. Victor Zaz is the is the quintessential serial killer, but he wants to be noticed at the same time. Well, that's the MO of, I would say most serial killers. They True. want people to see their work, but he, uh, he, he, like, he has a way of, he's a, a way of killing, uh, to, and he puts people into specific poses. Uh, the, he, he doesn't do that in the movie, but he does have another penchant for killing, um, where after he kills someone, he puts a little tally mark, he carves it into his body and then it scars over this guy has a bunch of scars on his body and it's, and they don't, it's very haphazard like how Zaz would do. It's not clean and everything like that. So like, okay. And the guy who plays him does him in a very, how do I say this? Um, oh, I know. Appropriately. I know. Like, I don't know how to say it either without being completely reductive. So I will describe him as, um, he clearly loves Roman Sionis because he has let him run wild he is given the opportunity to just kill indiscriminately. And because of that, he's like, I will do anything to keep this going. I will do anything for you. Completely paranoid of anyone else who gets close to Roman. 
uh, just calm down. Come on, here, have a have have a drink. It'll be fine. We'll we'll make it work. You want me to kill him? I'll kill him for you. You want me to? Uh, and it's a perfect Roman, way to. Roman, f- Roman, listen. Listen. I'm gonna take care of you. Okay, 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 okay. Just like like they they feed into each other's neuro tendencies. Yeah, they really really do. Like Roman allows this this free reign. And he like keeps him calm, and I know that's what you just said, but just like that's not a like apparently it's happened in the past where Roman or Black Mask and Victor Zaz kind of worked together, but I don't think it was fleshed out this much or you know, honestly this well. So is it Victor Zaz? Not in my opinion, but it's a unique version of Victor Zaz, and I'm not entirely against it i'm actually kind of here for it um so it's it's a very unique character characterization of both of them so um and it would have been interesting to have zaz be a little bit more zaz because he is but zaz is much more like oh i think i mean everything must be perfect oh as a serial killer i I get that if he's been doing it for any amount of time that means that everything has to be perfect when he kills them like you said uh, but also the idea that he can kill anyone without mercy, without warning, and without provocation, which is a true terror. If you can't profile a serial killer, you don't know who is next. And Victor Saz doesn't have a profile. He just murders. And he just wants to murder because he just wants to be seen for his murders. So that's terrifying. I do like, like, if you didn't know Victor Zaz, the opening of the shirt might be a little terrifying. Like, what are all these scars? And you're like, uh, one for every per. Oh, heaven. Yep. For, you know... It's honestly because there's so much death that happens in the Harley Quinn movie. Like some people just get just killed, gutted right then and there. That's it. Almost makes death feel a little like you know when we play as a Batman in a Batman game, you're not supposed to kill, and you don't kill. You just incapacitate goons and thugs. Uh, incapacitate yeah. with heavy quotations. So death feels like whoa, this is big. You know, Two Faces. You know, all of them have ever tried to kill Batman have never succeeded. Tried to kill. Other people don't succeed. We only never really see it. On this one, we see a lot of people die at the hands of Black Mask. We see a lot of people just like, yeah, straight up murder, no problem. Uh, so it's a little less jarring to see Zaz is he's a murderer just like everyone else. He just puts his body, d- deforms his body to show it off. <laughs> uh, yeah, he really wants. Oh yeah, Zaz is a. Uh, and it's it's a difficult character to bring to the screen like this because unless you're doing like a, just a straight up like serial killer movie like you know uh uh count, not count the bones but like kiss the girls or uh, you know that kind of thing um along came a spider those kind of 90s serial killer movies um it's hard to bring uh, up like this and they do a good job he's not just a henchman he's like the the main you are my number one a guy that kind of thing and it works they made it work really well so that's a huge like plus in that category i can see some purists not liking it but i'm gonna go ahead and say that i'm gonna it's a huge plus in that category and so there are a lot of good things with the movie and there's a lot of good things with the tv shows and there are some negatives but the none of the negatives outweigh the positive so i think honestly both iterations for harley quinn especially because of how they portray the character alone are worthwhile um if you can get past a few things like if you can get past um clayface is not like the traditional clayface zaz is not the traditional zaz um 
Damien Wayne is not the traditional Damien Wayne, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, that was one part I was like, oh, I get what they're trying to do, but oh. Um, there are some amazing things in both of these properties. So I really, really would recommend, you know, you, obviously you got to be old enough to appreciate this. Yeah, it's a lot of blood and guts in all of these. Yeah. Uh, there is some great cinematography in the movie. The, the shot of Harley Quinn walking into the GCPD and just taking it out with s colored smoke bombs and glitter yeah. sprinkles. Like, it's a sight to behold. It's beautiful. Like, the shot of that egg sandwich getting made was turning me on. And that I don't was, even know what that means, but that it was That was a shot. true definition of food porn. It was food porn. It was the most delicious freaking thing I've ever seen. I don't want, I don't like egg sandwiches. I fucking want that sandwich. That sandwich was the most gorgeous thing. Like that's it's such that that's the thing. It's such a great way instead of just having your female character lean over a motorcycle while water gets poured on her in the rain while she wears booty shorts, just fry an egg and make it so sexy. It, like at one because it's it not shows, the man. It's literally the food yeah, and nothing else. It's showing uh, Harley like watching uh, the character make the sandwich and like her hair is slowly back in the wind. I'm like. Jesus Christ, she's getting horny for the sandwich. Not, not too. Not, not, don't let it burn. No, no. Just just right. right. Gotta let the cheese go everywhere. And I, it, it took the death of someone I, I... It took the death of someone I truly loved, this sandwich, to make me see what was important in my life. So, it's... This, honestly, it's a good movie. It's very much worth the watch. Um, there's some... Some polishing that this... The, either the story oh, also the action scenes of anytime she does flips like they'll flip the camera with her when she flips oh yeah the, the cinematography is good in this so good. yeah and the action scenes in the the tv show are pretty good too mm -hmm. um they, they find, get inventive yeah, very inventive absolutely there's this running gag about harley quinn wanting to hold the city to ransom just to have a highway named after her <laughs> which pays off so spectacularly and i appreciated it so much yeah i'm i'm here for it so um they they do take some risks with the TV show as well, and I'm interested to see how the second season, which is out on HBO Max, and I'm excited to to watch it. So I don't know if we'll talk about it. We may like only do first seasons on the show because yeah, we, we did Shira just the first yeah. season where we you know at a certain point we got to be really hot on our takes, otherwise it's too late. So either yeah. wait two years and then come back to it, or just do the first season when <laughs> everyone else is watching it. Uh, and uh, we really got to finish this episode, too. So um, we're uh, very happy uh, that you guys have stuck with us through uh, this trying time with us. Uh, we're now that we're, yeah, normally, and I would say this, we've been doing this for a while now, for three years? Coming up on it, I think. And uh, we only ever miss if we're sick. So we're going to try and be really better about having some more episodes prepped for you guys so we won't have to leave you in the lurch because we know that we found this very hard to do too. Even while we were waiting for Aaron to get better and watching stuff, we realized not a lot of new stuff is coming out in traditional venues. So if we want to talk about recent things, we've got to get more creative about what we watch. Yeah, we, um, we've we already got a couple ideas uh, lined up. And again, our 100th episode is coming up and I don't, we're, we're still kind of back and forth on what we're going to do with we'll that, as I happens. said earlier. <laughs> so I'm, um, but I, we've got a kind of a fun episode coming up very soon. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, uh, we may do that as a bonus episode or we may just do it as a traditional episode. I don't know. That'd be fun. Um, but it's going to be uh, kind of a wild ride. So if you guys have any recommendations, we would love to hear them. Um, 
uh, we just kind of maybe ask if it's maybe easy to find or if it's on a streaming service. Yeah, let us know where you can find it, and then we'll give it a whirl from there. <laughs> I, I like how you looked to the camera that it's not there. Oh, my gosh, you're right. I did that. We've been doing the podcast for so long with an audience when we live stream our Keep City Quarantine Steven Universe Chill Appreciation Fan Cast. <gasps> And I always have to look to the screen where we film, and I just did that right now in the studio where there there is no camera up here None right now. Whatsoever. None whatsoever. So. Um, but, uh, again, thank you guys so much for being patient with us and uh, sticking with us uh, through that all. So um, let's go ahead and wrap this up. So right. any final thoughts? Uh, both of them are really good. I would say the movie is so much better than Suicide Squad. In every conceivable way. And we didn't even watch it. And we didn't even watch it. Uh, Is it Wonder Woman? No, but few things are. I think it's (laughs) a lot of fun. Definitely deserves to have a sequel made after it. And definitely deserves to have these characters, as they've been iterated, return in another capacity. I don't know if it's going to be a sequel. There is a movie, or there's supposed to be a movie called Gotham City Sirens. But that's a different team. It's different, yeah. It's a different team altogether. So they're supposed to do kind of like a Harley Quinn trilogy. Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and then Gotham City. I'm going to be interested because they tried this with X-Men and it didn't work. X-Men Origins Wolverine was just one of many origins they planned on doing and they all, like, they, they yeah, because they're supposed to do, like, this. Magneto and um, a couple if, others. What if DC manages to nail it, like, perfectly? Like, we're just going to do origin stories of these random characters that you like so much. They'll, they may never do an Avengers. They may never do a Justice League again. But all these characters are still cool. Aquaman's still cool. Wonder Woman's still cool. Shazam. Shazam is still cool. Exactly. So maybe that's what they're going to do really well. It's just one-offs setting up different characters throughout the universe. Maybe. And maybe they can try Justice League again or some sort of... They, they are trying Justice League Dark. Um, so And that will be interesting if that works, too. Because that might be their... Like, their Guardians of the Galaxy, if you will, because Suicide Squad definitely wasn't. So, mm-hmm. um, I yeah, I definitely like both of these. Uh, uh, I do really like Margot Robbie and Kaylee Kuko. Both of them do great jobs at it. So, I'm looking forward to watching the next season. Um, I'm interested to see how they because they took some big risks at the end of the season. So, oh yeah, um, interested to see. Um, and we want to hear what you guys thought. I looked at the camera that's not there. My, See, this is it's my turn. not just me. We're all playing to an audience that is not here. Yeah. Um, so let us know in the comments below uh, what you guys thought. Yes. If you listen to SoundCloud, there is a comment function. If not, if not on Facebook.com slash married to the idea. Yes. Uh, I've said thank you so many times. I'm going to say thank you one more time. And as always, she's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.